All right, well, we'll go ahead and open up in our Bibles then to the very first verse in the Bible. The book of Genesis, meaning beginnings. Genesis chapter number one, verse number one. And man, I've been excited about us going into this study. I, I like talking about how we got here in creation. I like talking about the Lord and, and how we can stand on it, how we can believe it. In Genesis chapter number one, verse number one. If you're having trouble finding it, just open up the cover and flip over a few pages. It'll be right there. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. And as we're going to be studying through this, uh, what we're going to talk about today is kind of, kind of introductory. We're not going to be going through the days of creation yet. We're not going to be uh, seeing all the individual things, how God rested. Uh, but today, we're going to focus on one part of one verse. Or I guess really we could say the whole verse. Just Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says very simply this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's bow for a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us with it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take this verse. Lord, it seems, it seems very simple. But Lord, in today's time, it seems also so profound. Lord, all around, oh Lord, I feel like Satan wants to attack the things that we believe. Lord, we see that he wants to discredit the things that God's word has said. Lord, I pray that as your children, you would help us, Lord, to have the faith that we need to understand what God's word says. Lord, give us the faith and the ability to stand on it, to believe it, to fight for it, to, to teach others about it. And Lord, I pray you give us wisdom to understand the scriptures. Lord, above all, may we glorify you in it. We thank you, Lord, for it's in your name we pray and in your name we ask it. Amen. All right, well, folks, here's what we're going to be looking at today. Obviously, we're going into the study of creation and how we got here. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit, uh, and however long really the Lord lets us, we're going to be seeing about how we got here as people, how the world got here. And you say, well, yeah, God created it. Okay, yeah. But, but there's so much more to it than that. And by the way, this is one of the most important things outside of salvation that a Christian understands and is able to have a clear, clear grasp of. I want to tell you, we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the message today. But do you realize Satan's trick, one of his number one tricks, is to cast doubt on what God has, what God has said. He wants to simply cast doubt on what God has said. He did that in the Garden of Eden. The first thing he did is he took two perfect people. He slithered his way over there and said, hey, did God really say this? I mean, is that, is that really the way it is? Did you know you find other places in Scripture where Satan actually quotes Scripture? He knows what Scripture is, and in a lot of those he didn't actually finish it because it talks about him as well. But that's neither here nor there. But the point is, Satan knows. And if he can just cause people to doubt, if he can cause people to question, he will also call people to die and go to hell. I know that's very profound and a very, I don't want to say it's, it's not a, a harsh statement because it's in God's word. Those that die without Christ, uh, they, they die lost. And folks, let me tell you, Satan, he hates the things of God. He hates that he was cast out of heaven. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, we learned that Satan was an angel and he wanted to ascend to be like the most high. He wanted to be like God. He wasn't content where he was. Pride got built up in his heart. He was kicked out of heaven for it. And ever since, he has wanted to do nothing more than to discredit the things of God, to cause his creation, us, to fall and to mess up. And he wants to wreak as much havoc as he possibly can. And because what we read in the Bible, because it's about faith, right? The Bible says, blessed are they that have believed and have not seen Right? That's us. We haven't seen, but we believe it. If he can cause us to doubt our faith, 
If he can make Christians just look like, you know, just, just a bunch of religious buddy does. If he can make this look like a superstition. If he can make it look like just some kind of old folk tale. Well, then there's no reason to believe it. There's no reason to believe it. There's no reason to trust in it. If there's no reason to trust in it, well, then why believe that there even is a God? And then those folks will die without ever knowing who God is. Folks, let me tell you, Satan's done a very good job of that. That's why it's so important and foundational that we believe the first verse in the Bible. If you can't believe the first verse in the Bible, believe me, you can't believe any of it. I mean, you can't say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe God's word. Except that verse. Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. I'm going to take that one out. But I believe the rest of it, though. Well, if you can't believe that one, how do you know which ones you can't believe? Man, it's all God's word. The Bible says it's all there for a reason. And folks, today, understanding where we came from, understanding how God created the world, doesn't start with, well, in, in verse number two, it does start with, uh, you know, there wasn't anything there and it was dark and God said, let there be light. But it all starts with verse number one in this profound statement. In the beginning, God. Simply that. In the beginning, God. We're not going to talk about the days of creation yet. Today, we're going to talk about God. And how God was in the beginning. Folks, let me tell you, there's something about God that we need to understand. God is someone that has always been. We, we have this problem. And our problem is this. We only know what we experience. We know that a person has a beginning, a person has an end. We know that there's things I can reach out and touch. We know, okay, there's dirt. There's a sky. We have our, our scientific laws that, that, that mean something goes up, it's going to come down. That's, that's gravity. It's a law. They, they, well, that's what we understand. That's what we know. But, folks, we can't forget God doesn't operate that way. God's not a man. Now, Jesus was. That was God when he came here as a man. But God the Father is not a man. He doesn't, he doesn't have flesh and bones like we do. The Bible says he's a spirit. So what happened is before this world was ever here, before God spoke and there was water, before God spoke and then the land formed, then before God spoke and there was the animals, you have to understand, before this stuff we can touch was here, there was a spiritual. Spiritual came before the physical. In the beginning, God. See, what we understand as humans from, I guess, our science, there either is something or there's nothing. So we go back as far as we can and we say, in the beginning, there was nothing. Then all of a sudden, nothing became something. Well, see, as Christians, we don't believe that. We say in the beginning, yeah, there was nothing physical, but in the beginning, God. Yeah, he wasn't something you could reach out and touch, but he was a spirit. He was there. And then when he spoke, he made the physical. Folks, he created it. There was something there. We can't say in the beginning there was nothing. No, in the beginning there was God. And he has always been. And he always will be. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to see where that is from the scriptures. So we jump off here with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. Folks, I want to show you how we know God has always been. I'm going to look at a lot of different verses today. So you can flip with me if you want. But I'll also read these to you. The Bible says in the book of Psalm. Psalms. Rather, it's got a plural. The book of Psalms, chapter number 90 and verse number 2. Folks, this is a wonderful verse. This is one of the songs. It was, it was, uh, it was, you know, psalms are things that are almost poetic. Psalm verse 90, verse number 2, it says this. Before the mountains were brought forth. That means before those crazies were over there. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, 
even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know what that means? God was here before the earth was, and God will be here after the earth is. That means he is not bound by time. He doesn't, he doesn't grow older like we do. He didn't have a beginning. He didn't have an end. And we're trying to think, well, how does that work? I remember as a kid, I used to think, because I would always think based on the clock, I would think to myself, okay, so, so in the beginning, there, there was no world. And then I thought to myself, why did God wait so long before he started the, you know, started the whole thing? And then I was trying to, trying to think backwards through eternity. And then I was thinking to myself, why didn't he start like two billion years earlier? And then I stopped and thought, well, that really doesn't make sense because then he could have started two billion years before that. And I'm just trying to work, you know, in my mind based off of time. But we have to get rid of that. We, we can't think by measures of beginning and end because God is timeless. He just, he just is. Now, I know we don't understand it because that's not what we know. That's not how we operate. But I want to tell you one day we will because one day we'll be the same way. We'll be out of this world and we will live in the spiritual. So we know from Psalm 90 that God has always been before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. So it is wrong to say that in the beginning there was nothing. Folks, in the beginning there was God. He was there. He was the one that spoke it. He was the one that created it. Folks, the physical world is a place that he made. So he is a spirit. He is unseen. Folks, can I show you something else that I think is pretty neat? Flip over with me if you would. I'm going to look at the New Testament in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Chapter number one, verse number one. This is another thing you need to understand that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, none of them had a beginning. Well, wait a minute, preacher. What about Jesus? Hey, we just got done with Christmas. Jesus had a birthday. Well, yeah, he did. But did you know that even though Jesus had a birthday, he was still there in the beginning when things were created? I'm going to show it to you. It's here in John 1 1. There's something we need to understand. In this verse, you're going to see the word, Word, capital W-O-R-D. And I'm going to show you how we know that is Jesus. The Bible says in John 1.1, In the beginning, there it is again, In the beginning, the very beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Look at this. This is good about creation as well. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Folks, the Bible talks about there. We see there was someone that was made. It's talking about a person. In the beginning was the word. Folks, I want to keep reading here verse number 6. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Who did John come before? Jesus. Jesus. You know, later on in this chapter, you know, where you can find the Bible says that the word became flesh. And the, the flesh, it walked among us. Well, who was it that came or that became flesh and walked around with man? Jesus. Folks, Jesus, even him, he was in heaven already before he was born. Folks, Jesus had a part in creating it. So God was there. Jesus was there. And if we go back to Genesis 1-1, you don't have to turn there yet. You'll find a scripture where it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the spirit of God was there too. Folks, all three of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they were all there in Genesis 1-1. God has always been, okay? He, he built this 
and stuck us in it. And now he's in the spiritual world watching us and seeing how it works. We don't understand the spiritual yet, but one day we will. So we also understand that the spirit world is timeless. We talked about that one, but I want to show you one more verse for it. Closer to the back of your Bible, and this is one that tripped people up. So I want to show it to you. Please don't get tripped up on this. Second, Tim, uh, Second Peter, excuse me. Second Peter, really close to the back of your Bible, chapter number 3, verse number 8. Second Peter, chapter number 3, verse number 8. And we will be coming back to this verse again as we start getting into the days of creation. But I want to show it to you now. 2 Peter 3, 8. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, a lot of people have taken this verse, and I've heard this. Maybe you've heard this. They'll say, oh, well, you see, God, for him, one day, that's, that's a thousand years. So when the Bible says that over there in Genesis 1-1 that, you know, on the first day God did this, on the second day God did this, that really was, you know, that was a thousand year period. Because for God, one day is a thousand years. Okay, well, if you want to do some math, a thousand years is also one day. And so somebody did this, and they were being kind of sarcastic. They said if you flip those fractions and add them, it still only equals one. Folks, the whole point of this verse is not that, not that God, he sees one day as a thousand years, or he makes a thousand years to be only one day. The point is saying is that God has no time. Okay? And God can look at a thousand-year period and just look at everything and see it all happening at once because he's timeless. God can look at one day and see everything that's going on in one day and see all the intricate workings of it as if it were a thousand-year period of history. Folks, God is timeless. So we can't get caught up that, and think that, oh, man, you know, it really took thousands of years. My answer to that, and again, we'll talk about this later. If you look at Genesis 1-1, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. That means sunrise, sunset. Okay? I mean, you can't get around that. This 2 Peter 3.8 is just showing us that this is timeless. God is timeless. So, for, folks, to understand where we come from, first we have to understand that God is a spirit. God's a spirit. He's not a man. The spirit made the physical. The spiritual created this stuff. The spiritual world that is beyond what we can see or understand made this little physical thing that we see and we know, and this is all we understand. I almost think of us kind of like a goldfish in a fishbowl, right? And I know that's, I'm not trying to downplay anything, but think about this. If you take, at, at our house, we have, we have four pets, and one of them is a betta fish, because every time the boys go to Walmart, they see the fish, you know, they're 50 cents, they'll last for a week, and you can get another one. You know, so you get, you get a little beta fish, and we take this fish, and we throw it in this little jar, and it's in there, and it's swimming around. And that's, that's a little area that we created. We put it together. We didn't make it. But that's a little area that we put together for the fish to be in. You know what that fish understands? Swim and eat. Swim and eat. And that's, that's all it's ever going to understand. That's all its mind is ever going to understand. When you flick on the glass, it'll swim away and it gets afraid. But it, it's not going to know anything else. And, and it might be a silly illustration, but I think about this. God, this spiritual, this eternal, this all-knowing, this all-powerful creator, made this little physical world for us to go in. This is where we live. This is where we dwell. And all we know is what's around us that we can see. And God is sitting down there and he's looking at us saying, I've given you enough information to know me. 
Just look here. Look to me. I have your answers. One day you'll see. One day you'll be with me. And folks, well, there's no way the fish could ever understand how the heat works in my house. The fish will never understand how we put the water in the jug. He'll never understand where his food comes from. He'll never understand any of the things that we do to care for it. But we know because we put it there. Folks, God understands everything about us. And we will never be able to fully comprehend God. We can't. But we're not there. We're not spiritual. He lives in a completely different world outside of what we understand and know. He is spiritual. And he made the physical. Therefore, in the beginning... They can't say there was nothing. In the beginning, there was God. We can't say nothing created something. In the beginning, there was something. He was God. So we understand the creator. He was, he was spiritual, right? That's a fundamental part of being a Christian, believing that God created. Now, let's understand the creation itself a little bit. Over here in John, where we just were, some of you might still be there. I'm going to show you. I want to look at that verse again, John 1, 3. John 1, 3. This is where, again, we see, we see Jesus. John 1, 3. All things were made by him. It means Jesus made it all. And you know, my, my boy, one time he asked me a question. He's like, Dad, did, did, did God make that building over there? <laughs> I tried to explain to him. I said, well, son, God, you know, he made the wood. He made the bricks. And he made the dirt. You know, people just put it together. Oh, okay. You know, all things, though, that were created, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Folks, I want to show you one thing about the Lord. First thing we have to see and understand is that everything around us, God made. The fact that there is life, okay, the fact that there is I mean, living, there's a spark of life. The fact that me and you can look at each other and think and be alive, that comes from God. God made it, and God keeps it. Um, William, he, he can't say the word created, but he says curated. So when he says Genesis 1-1, he says, In the beginning, God curated the heavens and the earth. And I think to myself, you know, when you look at that word, it means he you know, keeps it up. I thought that's pretty good. I mean, it's not the verse, but hey, I, I can use that too. See, God, he made us. But he also keeps things going. We talked about this morning how we were just absolutely left to ourselves and there was no God. I absolutely believe this world would be nothing but chaos. You know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, how he, how he holds back evil from taking over the world. Do you realize when you, study, when you study the book of Job, Satan, he wanted to go over to Job's house and he wanted to destroy Job's life. He said, oh, God, Job, the only reason he served you is just because, you know, you've blessed him. You've given him a good life. That's why he loves you so much. And Satan, he wanted to, Satan wanted to put Job, put Job through it. And the Lord said, all right, I'll let you test him. And, folks, Job's life went to ruin. I mean, he lost everything, houses, land. He ended up being completely alone. He lost his health. Folks, one of the things we learned from that is that Satan does not have free reign to do whatever he wants. Now, there are some things that he does, and now we understand he is a very powerful person, but God is also still in control. I want you to think of what this world would be like if none of us had any hope or any, or any peace or any joy. I mean, how, how pointless would, would life be if we had absolutely nothing to live for? I mean, there would, there would, be, there would be just us, this mundane, wake up, go, and then whoever dies with the most toys wins. 
I mean, that's, and believe it or not, some people, they, they have that thought. But when we understand that God is the one that made it and he keeps it all, it gives us something to live for. So, folks, God himself, we see that he made it. He made this physical world. It's his. And with that, I want to show you something in Matthew 25. That's just a couple of books back there. If you want to read this one with me, I'll also read it to you. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, 35. Verily I say unto you, this, excuse me, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Folks, let me explain something to you. All this stuff, there was a time when it wasn't here. And now it is. But there's also going to be another day when it's not here again. It's going to pass away. Everything that's here that we know, everything we see, everything we understand, everything we love, at some point in time, it will be gone. Because and we can talk about the end times and things like that. But at the end of it all, the spiritual is what's going to go on. The physical is going to be gone. Do you realize today there is something called, and this is a scientific law, and it's called the second law of thermodynamics. Maybe some of you have heard it. It's a big word. But the point is this. Everything, everything is in a constant state, state of decay, period. I mean, nothing in and of itself just gets better. Everything is going to decay. I mean, you look at a building. Man, you could spend millions of dollars on this just beautiful and wonderful, extravagant building. And you could build it with the, the greatest materials available to known to man. If you do not keep that building up, it's going to crumble. It's going to fall. Why? Second law of thermodynamics. You mean you grow a tree. Man, this great, wonderful, sturdy oak tree. Eventually, it's going to rot. It's going to die. Thermodynamics. That is the view of this whole world. This whole world, if it's just left to itself, it is going to die. It is going to fall apart. It is in a state of decay, period. And the Bible has told us that this world, there will be a day, and I believe the Lord will come back before the world just caves in like that, but there will be a day the Lord comes and he's going to be here and everything again will be spiritual. That day is coming. We know heaven and earth, it will pass away and the spiritual will be the only thing that's left. Folks, I want to show you something about the world though. And you can turn with me to this one also if you want as we're talking about creation. Jeremiah chapter number 33. Jeremiah chapter number 33, verse number 25. It says this. Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with the day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth. He is asking that in the rhetorical question. Then he goes on to verse 26 to talk about the promise he made with Jacob. Anyways, the point we see this. Look very closely at the second part. And if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth. You know what that means? Do you know why we have gravity? Because God says so. Do you know why that law of thermodynamics is a thing? Because God says so. Do you know why we have that, that, that law of inertia? An object in motion will continue in motion until it's acted upon by an outside force. Basically, that means if your car is sliding on ice, it's not going to stop until it runs in a ditch. Why does that happen? Because God made it that way. Folks, the laws that we know and understand, every, every physical law, every scientific law, those ordinances, God made them. He, he looked at us and he said, you know what? I'm going to make the world and this is the way it's going to work. That's why when God showed up as Jesus, he said, oh, you're blind. Come here. I can fix that. Because he doesn't operate with those laws. That's why God could look at the lame man that was sick with a palsy and said, hey, come here. I can fix that. 
That, that's why God looked at the Red Sea. He said, Moses, walk over there to that, walk over there to that ocean. I can fix that. An ocean parted in two. Why? Because God's not bound by these physical laws that we know. He made them for us to have a way to understand the world around us. Folks, he made it. So we have to understand this creation, what we know, is temporary. This is physical. The true, the true world is the spiritual. This is something God made just as a temporary dwelling place for us until we're gone. Folks, the spiritual is what's real, and that's what God made. So we have to understand creation that way. And lastly, I want to show you this. We understand the creator, that he's spiritual. We understand the creation that, you know, he made it. Everything we know is just kind of what he put together for us. And then I also want to show you this. I want you to understand the consequences of creation. Folks, let's look very quickly, if we could, at Isaiah 28. It's right before Jeremiah, if you were there, just back one book. Isaiah chapter 28, I'm going to read to you verse 16. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation that believeth shall not make haste. He that believeth shall not make haste. Folks, you know what Jesus is to us as Christians? He is our foundation. He's our cornerstone. If, if, you've ever, if you've ever laid a foundation to a building, one of the things you understand is where you start, that's the most important thing that there is to the building. You know, if you lay your foundation, your cornerstone, if it's crooked, then you start laying your blocks off that. And then if that cornerstone is not at a perfect 90, let's say it's like on an 80 or something, your foundation is not even going to be a square. It's just going to be this weird, you know, slope angle. Then you start trying to build your house on top of it. Then your floor is going to be all out of square. Your, your rest of your house is going to be out of square. Your roof is going to be, you know... Why? Because your cornerstone was off. Folks, your foundation is the most important part to, to anything that you build, anything that there is. Your, your foundation of what you believe, right? Man, our foundation of who we are, one of our foundations is we're, we're Americans. And we know that's what we believe. And we're going to fight for that. That's where our freedoms come from. That's foundational. Folks, as a Christian, we have a foundation. Our chief cornerstone, what we start with, is Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, if Satan can attack that, if he can attack in the beginning God, if he can attack that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he came and died for our sins, if he can just shift that cornerstone a little bit, folks, let me tell you, everything that's built on the Word of God is going to, it's going to falter. It's going to waver. Now, now, what God teaches won't, but our faith will. If he can shake our faith, if he can cause us to question in the beginning God, if he can make us start to think, well, you know, there's these other thoughts out here about where we came from that mm, they really start to make sense. Can I tell you something that Satan does? If you look in God's word, a lot of Satan's arguments, a lot of times they make pretty good sense. He's good at that. He is good at making it make sense. Every time that we have an opportunity that's different from what God wants, a lot of times they look pretty good. I mean, I want you to think of a man named Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go over here to Nineveh. I want you to go preach to those people. God, those people will kill me. Like, they're headhunters over there. You want me to go, you want me to go there? And then he goes down to the docks and he sees this ship that just so happened to be going the other direction where, you know, that could be safer for him. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I think I'm going to go that way. Let me tell you, there will always be a ship to Tarshish, which is the other direction. 
You'll always have a way. There will always be a way out. If Satan's got something for you, I promise you, he'll give you another way. That's just the way he works. And then when it, even there with Eve in the Garden of Eden, hey, Eve, did God really say that? I mean, I want you to look at that fruit. It's pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, you really haven't eaten in a couple hours. I mean, you're pretty hungry, right? I mean, God, God doesn't want you to eat that because he knows when you do, your eyes will be open. You'll be like a god. Now, were her eyes open to good and evil? Yep. She started to understand what she really did after she'd done it. And he made that sound good. And folks, I want to tell you, Satan, one of his number one tricks is to take the truths of God's word and twist it in such a way that it's convincing, that it makes sense. And if he can just start chipping away at that bottom cornerstone, the house that you stand on is going to fall. This is our foundation. Jesus Christ is our foundation. In the beginning, God is the foundation of what we believe. And if we can't believe that, we can't believe any of it. If God wasn't in the beginning, well, he's not going to be here afterwards either. We have to believe that. That's all there is. So Satan wants to attack our foundation. We saw that Satan, he just wants to cause a little bit of doubt. And folks, I want to show you something. We'll not go through all the different scriptures of it. But if you study a pattern of something else Satan has done, he's always done a really good job of taking the false gods of the day and lifting them up. And he, he actually done that a lot with the children of Israel. You know, Moses went up into the mountain. Oh, man, Moses, he's been up there too long. He's dead. He must not be up there. Hey, Aaron, why don't you come over here and make us a golden cow you know, and then when, when Solomon, when he was a leader, boy, they were worshiping God. But Solomon, he got like some thousand women, seven, let's see, 300 wives and 700 concubines. Right. And so I mean, that's a lot of women to keep up with. And with all these women, they came from different countries and they brought their false gods with them. And those false gods turned Solomon's heart and turned the nation of Israel's heart. Satan has always done a good job with taking the, the ideas of false gods throughout the day and using that to twist what Christians believe. Watch this. Do you know what our false god is in America? It's self. Our false god is self. Look, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with relishing the blessing that God has given us. We are blessed to be Americans. But we have gotten so caught up in the American dream. We are taught that, hey, just stick to yourself and mind your own business. You do what you do. I'm going to do what I do. You know, it's all about me. I'm looking out for number one. I'm going to do what makes sense to me. It's all, about, it's all about man. Hey, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to be intelligent. And folks, Satan has used intelligence and he has used human wisdom to twist what God said. You really believe in that Bible? Does it really make sense? I mean, I want you to stop and think. Can you prove that? Oh, that's not the point. You're not supposed to prove God. You're supposed to believe it by faith. Folks, that's what Satan has done. He has taken the false god of self. Boy, look how smart I am. Look, look, look how educated I am. Look, I've got it all figured out. And that's what he has used today to start chipping away at the foundation of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. Folks, there is nothing else that really that matters. I mean, folks, think of it this way. What if we all did just happen to get here? Okay? What, what if we're all just here by, by chance? It was an accident, and you know what? We're all going to live, we're all going to die, and then that's going to be the end of it. But think to yourself, what if there is a God? What if it is real? There's going to be so much more to it. We're going to live, we're going to die, and we're going to have to answer to him. And the God of self doesn't like the idea of being accountable to somebody else. 
The God of self doesn't want to have to answer to anybody. The God of self wants to be his own man. I made my own way. Hey, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, right? That's the way, that's the way we like to think. It's all about me. Folks, it's not about me. It's about God. It's about having the faith to put him first and be willing to die and to live on what God's word says. Because if we're going to believe any of it, we have to believe Genesis 1-1. That in the beginning, it wasn't nothing. In the beginning, there was something. In the beginning, there was God. Folks, if we could, let's have every head bowed and have every eye closed. Our Father in heaven, we love you. And we're so thankful for what you've given us in God's word. Lord, we're so thankful for the strong foundation that we have, our foundation in Jesus Christ, how you, you are our cornerstone. Lord, you're the one that everything was built on. You're our savior. You're our creator. Lord, you were there in the beginning. You're going to be there in the end. Lord, you died for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have enough faith to live for you. Lord, I ask that as we go through this, this book and through this study here over the next few, you know, several weeks and maybe a couple months, however long you'd have us there, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to ground our faith and that it all rests on you and that we are here because of you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to, uh, Lord, just help us to have our hearts and minds on you here for the next little bit. So folks, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want to give you a minute to, to do business with the Lord. You know, maybe you would say that Maybe you would say that it's something that maybe you haven't really thought about. But would you be willing in the quietness of your heart this morning to commit to the Lord that you would let Jesus, that you would let God, that you would let the Bible be the foundation of all that you see and all that you believe? Are you willing to believe that in the beginning, God, no matter what any other man may say, are you willing to let the Bible be true above all else? Why don't we commit today that we wouldn't rest in our own understanding, but that we would rest in the things of God? Our Lord and Father, we love you and we're thankful for the scripture that we have. Lord, it's because of the Bible that we know you. Were it not for the scripture, we wouldn't know how to come to you, how to reach out to you. Lord, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a way to heaven were it not for you. We wouldn't have forgiveness were it not for you. And Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray you would continue to work on our hearts, teach us, soften us, and may the scripture just get down in our hearts and souls and stay there. May it convince us, and may it teach us all that you would have us to know. Lord, we love you and thank you for it. It's in your name we pray and in your name we ask it. Amen. All right. Well, folks.